Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 134. It is NFL Draft Week. It's one of the best weekends of the year coming up for us, especially for Dynasty managers. We finally get to see where all these rookies that we've been evaluating and ranking for the last few months get drafted by their NFL teams. And in my uh, rookie evaluation process, draft capital and team fit are the two most important factors in ranking the rookie class. You could read uh, my article or hear the podcast a couple months ago where I talked about the top 10 factors in my ranking rookies. For me, number one is uh, the draft capital and number two is team fit. So the two most important factors and that's all going to get decided this week, which is pretty fun. So, But as Dynasty managers, we know that as fun as it is to watch teams draft the rookies that we care about in Dynasty, there's also the heartache that comes from the NFL draft when rookies are drafted by teams whose players you already have on Dynasty rosters, bringing instant competition for such players. And I think that's one of the most depressing parts when you see your guys get covered up uh, by the rookies that they draft. And I think this year there's a few teams that seem most likely to draft offensive playmakers in the first three rounds of the draft, so in day one and day two of the draft. And when they do, I think the dynasty value of the other players on the teams will, will diminish to varying degrees. And so what I want to talk about today is a list of the teams that I believe, the top 10 teams I believe are most likely to draft offensive players on day one and day two of the NFL draft. And then to give some thoughts on which players' dynasty value I think will be most affected by the draft picks that I think will take place. And we'll kind of go in order of the draft. Um, first is the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets are loaded with early draft picks. They have two first rounds uh, picks, number two and number 23. In the second round, uh, they have pick number 34 and uh, two third round picks, 66 and 87. It seems really clear uh, from what all the you know prognosticators are saying that Zach Wilson's going to be their pick with number two. And I think that they're likely to pick a running back with pick number 23 or 34. Uh, running back is the weakest part of their offensive roster right now with only the second year player, the Michael P. Ryan. Then they've got Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman on their depth chart. P. Ryan and Johnson played decently with their limited workload last season, um, but neither really proved that they could handle the load and neither have significant draft capital. P. Ryan was drafted in the fourth round last year, and Detroit drafted Johnson with the sixth round in 2019. Uh, Coleman was added by the Jets this year in free agency this past offseason, which is really another sign that the Jets don't trust P. Ryan and Johnson to lead their running back, to be their lead running back. So I really predict that the Jets are going to draft, I predict it would be Travis Etienne with a 23rd or the 34th pick in the draft. Since he really has the, the skills, I think, that are best suited for the zone running scheme that the new Jets offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, uh, brings back. Kind of from that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Uh, whichever running back they do draft, I think he'll instantly become the starter, leaving P. Ryan as a handcuff on Dynasty rosters and rendering Johnson and Coleman droppable. Uh, on most dynasty rosters. 
the addition of a top-tier running back and the new quarterback is actually just going to make the whole Jets offense more fun to watch. And I'm sure that they will have some growing pains in year one, but we're talking dynasty here, so I think that they will grow into something uh, better than they have been the last couple years at least. The Jets have a pretty solid wide receiver core. Uh, now they have the addition of Corey Davis in free agency. We've got the veteran Jamison Crowder. And then second-year man Denzel Mims, who never really had a chance to break out last year because of his injuries. Um, it's really hard to know which of these three wide receivers is going to become Wilson's primary uh, target. So that'll be fun to watch at the start of the season. I think just from an overall, overall dynasty perspective, the Jets players' value is going to increase with the hopes of a new coaching staff and two top rookies, a quarterback and a running back on their team. I think the only players who lose value uh, after the NFL draft will be the running backs that are sitting far behind the one that they're going to draft. None of those running backs are players really highly valued in Dynasty, so these moves that the Jets will make don't really affect too many players. Um, but yeah, it is good to talk about how it's going to just make the whole team better, <laughs> hopefully. Second team to talk about is the Falcons. The Falcons have the fourth pick in the first round and the third round, and then have a third pick in the second round. And their first pick is when the draft should get really, really interesting. So quarterbacks seem that, that like just for pretty sure that they're going to get drafted first, second, and third, leaving Atlanta with the option to draft a fourth quarterback if they want to really just do that, since they're hardly drafted at that point, that position very often, number four, or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, or they could additionally they could trade back and just gather up more picks if another team wants to come up for a quarterback. But what I think Atlanta is going to do is I think they're going to stay with their pick number four, and I think that they're going to draft Chase or Pitts. I think in this draft, these players are far and away the best players at their position, wide receiver and tight end. Uh, they've reaped the benefit of uh, drafting skilled players, Atlanta that is, by drafting skilled players in round one. They traded up in the in the draft to draft Julio Jones with a sixth pick in 2011. They've drafted Calvin Ridley with a 26th pick in 2018. So they know uh, the value of playmakers in the first round. Julio Jones is showing his age as Ridley has passed him by in dynasty rankings um, as well as in his play. So it may be time to add another number one rookie wide receiver like they could do in Chase. But that said, uh, Pitts has graded by NFL scouts to be a once-in-a-generation type of talent. And I remember back to Matt Ryan having many glory years with Tony Gonzalez on the team to end his career. Tony Gonzalez's career, that is. And I'm sure that if he could uh, get Pitts on his team, he'd get Pitts off to a really fast start to his career too. Uh, they can't go wrong either way with Pitts or Chase. Atlanta's also in the running back market, which is interesting too. Uh, they did add Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson this offseason and then let Todd Gurley and Ito Smith and Brian Hill go. So they've dropped a bunch of running backs, picked up two more. I think Atlanta might be in the running back market uh, right after the Jets pick at number 35. And so I believe that they'll draft a running back sometime in the draft. But I also think that they might wait around um, instead of waiting, you know, drafting running back around two, they might wait till round three. Uh, Mike Davis has proved that he could be effective after carrying the load last year in Carolina when he replaced uh, Christian McCaffrey, who was injured. Uh, he didn't have a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear since he's been a backup for most of his career. But he played really well last year. And then Arthur Smith, the new head coach in Atlanta, though he uh, maximized the talent of Derrick Henry the last few years when he was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. Uh, it's true too that he may look to add another. Alabama running back, say Najee Harris, to, to be available at pick number 35. So whatever they do, uh, Atlanta, with his first three picks, 
uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Calvert Ridley, he's going to remain a solid, uh, solid. Uh, that dynasty value is going to remain solid no matter who they pick. Uh, we know that, that Julio Jones's value is already dropping and is still going to continue to drop from the dynasty perspective. But of course, this next year, he's going to be great when he's healthy. And so he's a great player if you still have him on a roster. Matt Ryan, he's the one that actually has the most to gain here. I think he has a long history of excellent seasons followed by mediocre seasons. He tends to yo-yo back and forth. I think if you add another top talent like Chase or Pitts, this could really cause his dynasty value to increase a bit, even though he's 35 years old. As for Mike Davis, I think Davis's value has the most to gain or lose, depending on what Atlanta does at running back, obviously. Uh, He could return uh, to be a backup role like he's done most of his career if they draft a running back, or he could come out of the weekend as maybe the player that had the most value increase because if they don't draft a running back or if they draft a running back later than round three, they draft a running back in, in day three, Mike Davis is going to be a very solid, reliable RB2 in fantasy. Uh, he finished last season as the 16th highest scoring running back as last year, so he already has proven that he could do it. I mean, if Atlanta doesn't draft a running back, everyone who had Mike Davis last year is going to be pleased to see him as a starting running back again the next year. Next, we've got the Bengals. I think the Bengals, uh, they have the fifth pick in the first and third round, and then they have the sixth pick in the second round. I think the Bengals pick right after Atlanta, and they're going to be forced to consider two options. They can select who the Falcons did not select between Chase and Pitts, or they can draft an offensive lineman to protect the number one draft pick from last year, Joe Burrow. Uh, They do have a glaring need at tight end, but not really a wide receiver, so Pitts might make more sense. Uh, than Chase. But Joe Burrow, of course, played with Jamar Chase and won a national championship together in 2019 in the best offense in college football history. The The Bengals are going to really have a tough decision. There's a depth in the offensive line class this year, but two players are really the first-round talents. That's Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Uh, teams like the Cowboys and the Colts have actually dramatically improved their offense by drafting linemen in the first round. They often make more of a significant difference to a team than a splashier skill player can. And I think Cincinnati will draft an offensive lineman with this pick, even though it will be very hard for them to pass up on Chase or Pitts. If they do draft a lineman, the dynasty value of all the Bengals players stays about the same, or it maybe increases a little bit with an improved offensive line. Whereas if they draft Pitts, dynasty value of the players will remain about the same, though Joe Burrow would have an even brighter future if they draft Pitts. The real threat to dynasty managers is, is if they draft Chase. If the Bengals draft Chase, uh, T. Higgins' value takes a slight hit, and Tyler Boyd's value, I think, takes a tremendous hit. I love Tyler Boyd. He's like my super safe wide receiver three. He just provides value every week, especially in PPR leagues. But if the Bengals draft Chase, I really think Higgins and Chase would see the bulk of the targets for the rest of their careers, leaving Boyd a little bit in the dark from a dynasty perspective. He'd be helpful to the Bengals and his team, but his dynasty value would go way down. Uh, given my share of Boyd and Higgins, have a lot of them, I really hope the Bengals draft a lineman in this draft. Uh, I think that's uh, that what they should do. In fact, I think it is what they might do. They might even double down and draft another one in the second round too. Uh, they need to protect Joe Burrow at all costs. I believe that's what they're going to do. But if they draft Chase, uh, dynasty value drops quite a bit for Tyler Boyd. If they draft Pitts, I think things still look up altogether, especially for Burrow. Then we've got the Dolphins. Miami has four picks in the top 50 of this year's draft. They are just being masterful in what they've been doing the last couple of years. They have picks 6, 18, 36, 50. Yeah, so four picks in the top 50. 
And I think that they're going to draft offensive skill players with at least two of these top 50 picks. If Cincinnati doesn't draft an offensive lineman, man, then Miami has that same option of drafting Chase or Pitts. Lands in their lap. They can pick whoever Atlanta did not choose. Um, They traded back to pick 12, and then they traded back up to pick 6 this last uh, offseason. So they clearly have their eye on one or two players that I think that they believe will fall to them given the number of quarterbacks that are going to be selected ahead of him. The good news is their trades, the trades that they made prove that they're committed to Tua uh, Tungavaola as their quarterback. Uh, they plan to give him some weapons in this draft, I'm sure of it. Miami's undrafted free agent running backs, Miles Gaskett and Salvin Ahmed, uh, played really well last year on a team that gave their running backs 20-plus touches per game when they played most weeks. Uh, Gaskett and Ahmed uh, were some of the Dynasty Manager's best waiver-wire additions last season. And, and as great as it was to find these players on the waiver wire and start them when they were healthy, and then uh, that ride, I think, is likely coming to an end after this year's draft. I really do believe that Miami is going to be the first team to draft a running back with their 18th pick of the draft. Uh, Pittsburgh picks number 24, and I think they're looking for running backs. And I already mentioned that the Jets and Falcons are looking for running backs in the second round uh, with the two picks that they have ahead of Miami in the second round. I'm not sure uh, which running back they will, they like most, but I do suspect that Najee Harris or Javante Williams will be the back that they select given the strength of their running behind the tackles like Miami did so much last year. If this happens, uh, Gaskin will become a solid backup to hold on rosters given the, what he proved last year. And then Ackman, I think, will probably be droppable for most dynasty rosters as being the running back number three in Miami. Uh, Miami did address the wide receiver position in free agency when they signed Will Fuller, uh, though it was only a one-year contract. I think that by doing so, that they show the type of wide receiver that they think they really need to unlock their offense. Devontae Parker is an excellent possession receiver, and Preston Williams, when healthy, <laughs> he really can be their big-bodied receiver. But what they lack is really a dynamic playmaker like Fuller, who wins downfield with his speed. Since they showed their cards a bit by signing Fuller, I believe that they have their eyes on Jalen Waddell, uh, Tua's uh, former teammate, though they may have been eyeing Devonta Smith, his former teammate, as well. Smith's size uh, really makes it hard for me to believe that he's going to get drafted in the top 10 picks. Uh, That's why I believe that Waddell's going to be their first pick at number 6. The only other possible scenarios would be if Pitts or Chase somehow fell to Miami at number 6, then I think they might choose one of them. But if they draft a wide receiver with the 6th pick, I think Preston Williams, who I really love, I'm afraid that he's most likely to lose in dynasty value, which is a big bummer because he's one of my favorite players that I keep hoping would break out if it weren't for those darn injuries. Devontae Parker, on the other hand, I think that he's really got a stable role on the team. Uh, Fearing that Parker will get replaced by a rookie, uh, one manager in one of my leagues offered him to me for my second round pick, which was pick number 22 in a 14-team league. And I accepted that uh, pretty quickly because I really think that Parker... He signed through the 2023 season, and he was to his top target last year. Um, I also believe that Parker, uh, believe in Parker, and I think that his late breakout is indicative of his true talent, and it's not really just a fluke from the past two years. I think Miami, with their two first-round uh, receivers, they, I think Miami will have two first-round receivers starting next year. Parker, he was the 14th pick of the 2015 draft, so 14th pick in the whole draft in 15, and then now they're going to have the 6th pick in 2021, and I really think those two first-round picks are going to be the starting wide receivers for Miami. Will Fuller, I think he's going to get in the way a bit this first year. 
but it's just a one-year contract. And so I think in the years to come with Tua, uh, Parker, and whoever they draft this year, whom I think is going to be Waddle, I think they're going to be the real dynasty values in the team on the rise in, in Miami. Next up is Alliance. Uh, they are in full rebuild mode, just like a dynasty, <laughs> just like we do in dynasty sometimes. They only have four picks in the first three rounds. They have picks 7, 41, 72, and 102. And they seem to me to be the most likely team to trade back and acquire more draft picks this year or to pick up more picks in the 2022 draft. A team really may like to trade up uh, with them to get one of those two remaining quarterbacks. And if so, I think Detroit would be very willing to do it. Whether they trade back or not, they have uh, team needs at almost every position except tight end and running back. They really solidified their running back core by signing uh, Jamal Williams this offseason to add depth behind DeAndre Swift, who they drafted in the second round last year. And they got TJ Hawkinson as the tight end spot. They've got that locked down. And Jared Goff, whom they traded for this offseason when they gave away Matt Stafford, he's competent. Uh, he gets a chance to show what he can do in this new system. We'll see what happens there. It's really the wide receiver position is what Detroit really needs to address from a dynasty perspective. Uh, whether they do that at pick number seven or trade back, I think they're going to pick a receiver or two in this draft. Uh, they could trade back for more picks and take a couple of stabs at wide receiver in this very deep and diverse class. But whichever receiver they draft, I think he will have every opportunity to be the leading wide receiver from day one. Because Detroit's low-key signings this offseason of Terrell Williams and Rashad Perriman, they're just really not enough to keep a rookie that they draft buried on their depth chart. Uh, Quintus Cephas didn't prove enough last year, which is why I believe that Detroit needed, needed to address the wide receiver position in free agency when they got Williams and Perriman. Uh, I think that really the dynasty value of every player on Detroit took a hit once it became clear that Detroit was rebuilding uh, by trading away Matt Stafford and letting Kenny Galladay walk in free agency. Not much really changes from a dynasty perspective, no matter who Detroit drafts this year, I don't think. But hopefully they will act like uh, dynasty managers do in a rebuilding season by trading back and just acquiring as many picks as possible. Uh, really addressing the wide receiver position is something I'm sure that they're going to do, which puts uh, Terrell Williams, Prashad Perriman, Quintus Cephas, everybody on notice. Yeah, I think the whoever they draft is going to be have every chance to be the leading receiver uh, for a rebuilding team. It's likely not to be scoring a lot, but at the same time, they'll be likely to be behind in a lot of games and having to pass a lot. Next, let's go to the Giants. Not too much to mention here. Uh, the Giants had three picks in the first three rounds, uh, pick number 11, 42, and 76. I mention them here because many reputable mock drafts have given the Giants a wide receiver at number 11. That they're going to pick a wide receiver, but I just don't believe that's going to be the case. The Giants have addressed their wide receiver needs in free agency, uh, when they signed one of the top free agents, Kenny Galladay. And then they added a low-key weapon in John Ross. I think the Giants have now have all types of receivers that they need with varying sizes, speeds, and skills. Then they added Devontae Booker as a backup to Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph to back up Evan Ingram. So in my opinion, the Giants did everything they needed to do to strengthen their skill position players, and they've put themselves in position to just draft the best player available, which may indeed be a wide receiver at number 11. But offensive linemen and defensive backs may be better use of their resources at that point with the, the players that are on the board if you're just going best player available. So while I just mentioned them to say that while they're being mocked to take a receiver at number 11, I don't believe that they're going to do so. Um, I believe that none of the dynasty value will re really change on the Giants from where we have them right now, but I mention them here just because the experts have them picking a wide receiver. I don't think it's going to happen. 
Next, let's move to the Bears. The Bears have the 20th pick in each of the, fir- uh, each of the first three rounds. Uh, the biggest weakness that they have on their team you know, on offense is wide receivers. Though I do think that they're a sneaky candidate in the draft to draft a quarterback in the first round if something were to fall to them or even if they were willing to trade up. Of course, the Bears did add Andy Dalton in free agency after not re-signing their first-round draft pick, Mitchell Trubisky, who they whiffed on. Uh, Dalton does add stability, I think, to the offense, but he's not the type of quarterback um, that can make the offense or his wide receivers much better. Uh, Helen Robertson uh, stayed on the team, and he's again saddled to a mediocre quarterback, but this has never stopped him from being a top 15-ish fantasy wide receiver for his career, so I think he's going to do much of the same. Um, The major weakness in Chicago really is their depth at wide receiver. Uh, Darnell Mooney was a really surprise breakout last year in his rookie season after being drafted in the fourth round the previous year. He's really the speedster on the team to pair with Robinson's size as a possession receiver. And then Anthony Miller, ah, what a bummer. He should be the perfect slot receiver in Chicago, but his inconsistency um, and his off-field problems sounds like he doesn't work very hard. Has landed him on the trading block, and Javon Wims is their next best wide receiver, though they did sign Marquise Goodwin in the offseason too. I think this wide receiver class is loaded with solid wide receivers, and Chicago is bound to draft one of them in the fir- with their first or their second pick. They could take uh, someone like Elijah Moore or Rondell Moore in the first round, or they could wait for someone like Amari Rogers or Tutu Atwell in the second round. Whoever they draft, um, I think it will not affect the dynasty value of Robinson. He just outperforms his dynasty value every year, no matter who his quarterback is, so he stays the same. But if they draft a wide receiver at all, it's a clear sign that Anthony Miller's playing time in Chicago is really going to diminish, and he will not, likely not be with the team next year. And then if they draft a player in the first round, I think then I would be really questioning Mooney's dynasty value quite a bit, uh, because if they draft someone in the first round, uh, he might be limiting his shares as well, limiting his uh, touches as well. I'd really hate to see that for Mooney because I have him in a lot of leagues. Um, I'd rather them... But for Chicago's sake, I'd rather them draft someone like Rashad Bateman. He's my second-ranked rookie wide receiver in this class. And if he were in Chicago, I think that would be awesome. Uh, Bateman's more of a fit for an outside role, but having Bateman and Robinsons as your starting wide receivers would really make Chicago's offense a lot better. And uh, that would be a great landing spot for Bateman, though it would hurt the value of Mooney and Anthony Miller. Like I already said, his value is uh, near nothing as far as how the the Bears have been treating him. Next, we'll move to the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are in a bit of a bind. Uh, they have three late picks in every round, pick 23, 55, and 88. And they want and need a to draft a running back. But their offensive line is so bad that it might not matter how good the running back is that they pick. I really think if Miami does not draft a running back at pick number 18, Pittsburgh will be the first team to do so. Uh, their hand is forced a little bit because the three prototypically sized running backs Uh, that will be drafted by the time they get to their second pick. So when they get to pick number 55 in the second round, likely the three best running backs are going to be gone. So they're kind of forced to make a decision here with their first pick at number 23. I was surprised last year when they didn't draft a running back, but they actually drafted Chase Claypool in the second round in the spot where they could have drafted J.K. Dobbins with pick number 49 last year. And last year's running back class was much deeper. So a guy like Dobbins uh, was available at pick number 49, but he's not going player of his his skill is not going to be available at pick number 55 like it was last year. I think the Steelers are going to draft a running back in the first round, and they're going to draft for offensive line and depth later in the draft. 
Um, I think Javante Williams would be an excellent fit in Pittsburgh if he's drafted at pick number 23. Um, the rest of the Steelers' backfield will become more um, will become unrosterable for dynasty managers if, if this happens, except for Benny Snell. I think Snell, uh, because he played well enough last year, would be Williams' primary backup or whoever they draft. He's going to be the primary dra- backup. And I think dynasty managers' hopes that they've been holding on to for Anthony McFarlane, Jalen Samuels, or now Kalen Balazs, who signed with the team, I think that they could finally just come to rest and those players would be droppable. However, if Pittsburgh waits uh, for the second or third round to draft a running back, then I'd really hold on to Snell and McFarlane um, and Balazs just to see it play, play out. Like I would want to see how it plays out. If they draft a late running back, um, then any one of them could actually win the position. So I'd want to wait and see. Either way, Pittsburgh's going to be a big turning point. They're going to sign a running back, and it's going to decrease the value of everyone they have on the roster, or they're not, and then it's going to be a big question mark. It's going to be interesting to see if the Steelers go with offensive line or if they go with a running back there in the first round. I believe they're going to go with the running back. Next, we go to the Packers. Um, the question <clears throat> is the same this year as it was last year. The question is, will the Packers help Aaron Rodgers out? Uh, last year, the Packers did not draft a wide receiver in a very deep wide receiver class, and this year's class is arguably deeper, although it's with a greater variety of types of prospects. I think it's very possible that Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, or Rondell Moore could be available for the Packers to select a pick number 29 in the first round. I think that there will be other exciting prospects available pick number 62, uh, two, their second-round pick. Players like Tutu Atwill or uh, Shai Smith, Marlon Williams, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, if the Packers draft a wide receiver in one of the first two rounds, that player would already have far greater draft capital than the receivers they already have on their roster, not named Devontae Adams. Uh, the Packers drafted Marquise Valdez-Scantling. Um, we'll call VM, uh, MVS. <laughs> they drafted him in the fifth round in 2018. Then Alan Lazard was just an undrafted free agent. So if the Packers draft a wide receiver... Uh, MVS and Lazard's dynasty value uh, is really going to take a hit quite a bit. It'll just be kind of a battle to see which of them remains the third wide receiver in three receiver sets. And we know that Aaron Rodgers' dynasty value rebounded quite a bit last year, even at his age, after his 48 touchdown QB1 season last year. If Green Bay drafts him a better second target, there's even more um, reason to hold Rodgers' dynasty value, even at his age. Adams as Rodgers uh, have perfect chemistry together, so drafting wide receivers not going to bring down Adams' dynasty value at all in the slightest. I really don't think that will happen. He is one of the most targeted players in the NFL. Uh, but really, if the Packers draft wide receiver, which I think they finally will do this year with their first or second pick, uh, MVS and Lazard are in a bit of trouble from a dynasty perspective. And finally, uh, we'll move to the Titans. The Titans have four picks in the first three rounds. They got picks 22 54, 86, and 101. And after what they did this offseason with their pass catchers, they are almost certainly going to draft a wide receiver with one of their first two picks. Uh, Tennessee let Corey Davis and Johnny Smith walk in free agency, leaving 92 and 63 targets respectively. So 155 targets for someone else. A.J. Brown, uh, much to our happiness for those who are A.J. Brown managers, A.J. Brown is sure to receive far more than the 106 targets he had last year. But someone else needs to contribute in the offense, too. It can't just be all the A.J. Brown show. Uh, the Titans signed Josh Reynolds, who looks to fill the role of Corey Davis. But Tennessee also has horrible wide receiver depth after that. Check this out. I had to confess. I went to Our Lads. So that's the website I go to for depth charts. Our Lads um, 
to look this week at the Titans' depth charts, and I did not even know the name of the player that they had listed as a third wide receiver, which is saying something because, you know, I follow this stuff pretty carefully. <laughs> but their third wide receiver uh, listed was Nick Westbrook Rakhine. Like, I, I don't even know. Urkine. I don't even know who that is. Like, I've never heard of his name, nor can I pronounce it very well, right? Uh, they, that is their, their third receiver on their depth chart, according to our lads. Uh, the same players mentioned as being available to the Packers, I think are going to be available to the Titans, who picked six spots, spots ahead of the Packers in the second round, and seven spots or in the first round, and seven spots ahead of them in the, in the second round. I really think the Titans are going to take at least one receiver in round one or two, um, and maybe they'll even take some in round three. Uh, no matter who they draft, I'm very excited about Josh Reynolds' opportunity in Tennessee. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite players of uh uh, kind of like a deeper favorite player of mine. Felt like he just needed a chance to get out from the the Rams, you know, really talented uh, depth chart there. And now he's got the number two spot, I think, locked up in Tennessee. And I think that's going to be really fun to see. I think his his dynasty value has really risen this offseason. Um, I think he's going to have a significant role in the offense, no matter what Tennessee does, who they draft. And of course, A.J. Brown, he's a top five dynasty receiver already. He's definitely the alpha on the team, no matter who they draft. Nothing to worry about for A.J. Brown. But I think that uh, uh, Tennessee, who typically funnels their offense through uh, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, um, that's what they do. But Corey Davis finally had a breakout year last year, so someone on the team is going to have the opportunity to do something like Corey Davis did last year. I really believe that that could be Reynolds, or if they draft a rookie in the first or second rounds, um, that could actually be the one that becomes the number two there in Tennessee, hurting the value of Reynolds but not touching at all the super high value of AJ Brown. That was a long podcast. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Wanted to give you an idea on some of the draft. This is one of the fun weeks of the year. My, one of my favorites or probably is my favorite uh, weekend of the year um, in the off season. Just watch the draft and see what happens. That's a wrap uh, for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'm great on email, less so on Twitter. So email is the best way to contact me. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted and independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.